Welcome to the CyberLife Podcast, where we help you learn cybersecurity best practices, give you a weekly update on the latest cybersecurity news, and share valuable career advice. Hey everyone, it's Ken. In this episode, we're going to be talking about FUD or fear, uncertainty, and doubt, which is a technique used by a lot of salespeople to try to scare you into buying their products in the cybersecurity world. And so you're going to learn from a number of experts in the area. We won't do a formal bio for each of these individuals. Just look them up on LinkedIn because otherwise we'd have like an eight-hour podcast just talking about all the accolades. But with us today is going to be Mary Galloway. Charles Payne, Benjamin Coral, Omar Sangarima, and Terry Green also will join us. And Terry will come in a little later in the episode. You'll hear her jump in the uh, call with all of us. So again, we're talking about fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and sharing some war stories around that. So without further ado, let's jump in and hear some from some of the top cybersecurity practitioners in the world. All right. Well, welcome everyone to this particular episode where we're going to talk about FUD or fear, uncertainty, and doubt, which is essentially how most vendors try to sell us things in the cybersecurity world. So we've got some senior leaders on here to talk about FUD, and we'll probably have some more episodes around FUD in the future. So with us today, we have Charles Payne, Benjamin Coral, Omar, and we also have Mary Galloway. So many of you probably already know all of these names. I want to put a quick disclaimer on, and I'll say this in the intro part as well, that you've probably already heard, but I want to put a quick disclaimer on that anything we say today it's just their personal opinions. It's no reflection of their companies or any organizations they're affiliated with. So if you want to sue someone, sue somebody else. So without further ado, let's just jump right in. And I'm just going to kind of go around Robin here and uh, just have everyone, have everyone share like the, the, the craziest claim that you've heard from a vendor. It could be on a call. It could have been, could, you know, co-call or whatever. It could be from a conference. Um, it's really up to you. So uh, Charles, I'm going to start with you since you're the first one showing on my feed, what is like the craziest thing you've ever heard or craziest claim you've ever heard a vendor make to you? Or even if you've overheard it, saying to someone else. Yeah, I've overheard, I've overheard some crazy stuff. And actually this one's probably a little bit, I'll, I'll make it a little bit more opaque, but the uh, the funniest thing I've heard was basically like, they're like a silver bullet. Like, yeah, if you buy our solution, we'll, we'll, we prevent against everything. If you would have had our solution, we would have we would have stopped this this random attack that, that happened. It's kind of like going back to the whole um, solar winds thing. It's like, well, if you would have had our solution, we would have prevented you and protected you against solar winds and some of these other zero day things. I'm like, that's just amazing. I'm like, I find I always find that amusing. And it's kind of like the the message I got on LinkedIn from yes, yesterday. I was like, did ChatGPT write this? And they're like, no, I wrote this by by hand. I'm like, well, you, you asked me, is cybersecurity important to CISOs? I'm like, you know, I'm a CISO, but you asked me, is is cybersecurity important to you? Like what? Why? It sounds like they're, you're just taking me on. It's crazy. Love it, um, Benjamin. Let's jump over to you. So, what's the craziest story that, or the craziest claim you've ever had yourself, or that you've kind of overheard? Very similar to what what Charles was just saying is, yeah, the the thing that really irks me is where you get these ambulance chasers. And it is that one thing with that, uh, okay, Log4j came out and had you had Log4j, you would not have been impacted if you would have had our product. Not, not to say if you would have implemented it properly, if you had the right people, if you were doing monitoring, if you were doing anything. But no, just simply if you would have bought the, my product, given me a $250,000 or $2 million uh, purchase order, 
life would have been grand for you. You would not have had to to even work or do anything else like that. So it's just that that silver bullet that's out there. But I too hate when you get that that hey, you're a CISO. Is cybersecurity important to you? And then when you respond of not really interested, you know, don't really need to to talk with you. I've got a great program in place. Then they follow up. Oh, so security is not important to you. Well, yeah, it is, which is why I built a whole program, which is why I don't need your crappy product right now. I love it. And I, uh, so for, for those that you obviously aren't on, on with us recording, so you can't see this chat, um, looks like Benjamin and, uh, Charles kind of took the, the best answer, but I'm still going to go to you, Mary <laughs> on, uh, on kind of the, the wildest claim that you've either directly had or that you've heard, uh, someone else getting the wildest claim that's a, after those two, that's kind of hard to say, um, especially from a, from a practitioner's perspective, we always got the whole, yeah, we can take care of this with this one tool, this one product, this one, this one thing. Um, and while a lot of that's true, that's actually not really the case. Um, I worked at a vendor for a little bit of time and yeah, there was times where, you know, you put this one tool in and it's supposed to solve all your problems. And that wasn't always what happened. People still had to use additional tools to, to do what they were trying to do and to make the thing that they were trying to make work, work the way that they wanted it to work. Not calling anybody out, <laughs> but that's, that's, that's my take. Yeah. I say we could, we could probably pull a whole list, um, but, but uh, we may get some, some potential issues on the legal side if we pull a list and throw some vendor names out there. So we're, we're, yeah, we're going to be pretty agnostic on this, pretty generic. Um, Omar, do you mind diving in any, any additional kind of crazy claims? I mean, yeah. I mean, like, like Mary said, Charles and Benjamin, like, nailed the the biggest one we've heard but any any like strange or crazy claims i mean it's it whenever a vendor rolls up especially if it's like the cold call by vendor right and listen i was in sales many moons ago before breaking into cyber so i get it right you know but like if if you're if your initial off the top valley prop is going to be you know like um the napoleon dynamite is what i call it right vote for me and all your dreams will come true right like that you know vote for pedro it's just anything that you could possibly think of now, lately. And it really, I mean, I'll give them props because they adjust it to what's in the news, right? So like Move It is big in, in, in a lot of circles. So now like that's that's the hook and lead in. You know, you would have had no problems. You would have been able to tell the future, right? If you had had uh, our product on there. And again, as Benjamin uh, put it, not even allowing for if you had implemented it, been trained up on it, right? Had had you know other IT hygiene in place, right? The same thing Charles and, and Mary uh, mentioned. But the one that sticks out to me recently is just a blanket statement of we can help organize your data and we can find all of your data throughout your entire organization, no matter where it is, how it's encrypted, who wrote it, who touched it, we can find it, and um. I just, it, they hit me with that at the beginning of the sales call, right? At the beginning of the uh, the, the initial call. And I just, I, I checked out mentally. Like, I'm glad I had a team on there because I just, how do you come back from that, right? Like, no matter what, encrypted, not encrypted, not, there was no limiting parameters. If it was our data, my organizations, they could find it. So I just, you know, wow. It, it seems like, a you know, you can rub a lamp uh, and a genie will come out. Like, that was really the type of claims. And um, it goes part and parcel with what everyone's covered, I think, so far. I have a feeling we may all start to get inboxes 
stating that, hey, our solution is like a, a, a lamp and if you rub it, a magical genie will come on and solve all your security issues. So I, I think that's coming. So be prepared, all of you, for for that uh, in your inbox. So, you know, talking about the this magical bubble of unicorns and rainbows and sprinkles on our cake and, and all that stuff that, that, you know, a lot of security vendors, you know, for various reasons promise. And, and, and all of you kind of talked about, right, the one-size-fits-all solution that, that you're trying to pitch from an organizational standpoint, you know, for maybe newer, newer leaders that are listening to this, you know, mid-level managers, they just moved in from individual contributor, they're in management now, now they're starting to get all those DMs of the magical lamp that they can rub and poof, your security issues are gone. So how can those individuals kind of cut through all of that noise and really identify the right fit for their cybersecurity needs? Is there kind of a process? And I'm going to open that up to all of you, whoever wants to to jump in on it. Is there kind of a process you go through to make sure that, all right, here's kind of that claim from the vendor and and they're saying why size fits all, but let me kind of cut through the noise. Here's how I do it and get to sort of the meat and potatoes of, of what I'm looking for and what's valuable to me or potentially valuable to me. Yeah, for me, I, I normally get on the on the calls by myself initially just so I can get all of the uh, the marketing jargon because when I come back on the call the second or the third time, I bring my entire team. I'm like, by the way, and then I start going through my checklist. I'm like, you guys said you can do X, Y, and Z. And then I'll ask my team, hey, can you guys validate that? And then they're like, and I can see the vendors like cringe, like, uh-oh. It's, so for me, that's that's kind of like the fun part. But um, I, I, normally, I, I normally attend some of the sales calls by myself or maybe just with a couple of people that aren't always the most technical because I, I'm looking for process and, and compliance at that point. I'm trying to cover the legal aspects of it first. And then once I get that done, if it's something that I'm interested in, I'll, I'll bring in all of our technical folks after the fact, after we've already you know got down that process. So then I, I tend to see the vendors vendors cringe a little bit because usually at that point in time they're always like, oh man, these guys these guys brought like an army with them. And it's it's I remember when I did a deployment with um with a Fortune 10 company, it was me on the phone call and there was 15 of them. I'm like, hmm. Either they have no faith in me, or they have the absolute faith in me that we're going to get everything done on this call. And we actually got everything done on that call, but it was amazing because you'll see that the bigger the company gets, the more people join 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 you on the call. And sometimes people get intimidated. It's always it's always great to see that that reflect. So then you know if it was fun or not when when you first got on, when you first got on the phone call. No, no, I like that. So what I also do, I I tend to take the first call, and you know, does it pass the sniff test? You know, wasting my time is one thing. I don't want to waste my team's time. So, you know, I get on there and I do that initial sniff test. You know, can you explain it to me? And I'm asking, you know, what do you do? How do you do? How do you do it? And how would it work inside my environment? Now, I'm not going to break out my environment. I don't have an NDA with you. I don't know you. So I'm not going to give you all this information. But still, walk me through what you do and how you do it. Do not, do not insist on just showing me a demo with your environment, with your data, with all of this. I'm not not interested in your demo. I want you to walk me through. I may not be the technical resource any longer, but I was a decade ago. If you can't break it down for me that I can wrap my mind around it, then you don't know your product well enough, especially if you have 15 people that are going to be there. And yes, that is a lot of people generally are going to show as well. 
Uh, a lot of times, if it's an up-and-coming company, they'll even bring co-founders, chief technology officers, and everything. And they're going to be able to explain it. They should be able to help me grasp things that, that are like that. So don't overpromise, and then not being able to deliver as well. But before I even take the call, what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop a note to you know, one of the, the CISO channels or security channels that I'm in, who's worked with this company, tell me what was your experience? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it that? What did they solve it for? How did they solve it? If you could do it all over again, what would you have asked or how would you go about implementing it? So I don't just want to hear from the, the person who's trying to make a sale. I want to hear from an objective person and hopefully from somebody that I know and trust as well, who has also implemented that technology or that product as well. So I'm going, going out to peers as well. So Mary, I know you and Omar have both worked in sales. And I think Charles, you have as well. I'm sure Benjamin in some capacity. Let's say I'm a brand new, because I think this is where the problem really arises. I'm a brand new salesperson, not brand new to sales, right? I've done it in other verticals. But here I am coming to cybersecurity because this is what the media says. There's trillions of jobs open, and and I can get you know I can get in and all that stuff, and I can make billions and millions of dollars in my sleep. So I'm I'm familiar with sales, right? Whichever type you want, or consultative is what most people do these days. What are and this is open to all of you. What are some of the things you recommend or or for? How do I want to wear this? What are some of the recommendations you would have for someone new to cybersecurity sales on things like the best way to approach you, things maybe they should be learning, like, hey, you need to know these, you know, these particular things. Um, like what are what are some of those things that you you if you could like take someone in sales right now, and if you could take them, take someone brand new to sales and you had the opportunity to say, okay, these this is what I'm gonna kind of teach you so they don't go out and look stupid. Right. And they're not one of these people that says, oh, my my magical solution will solve all your problems in three minutes with one click. What like what would that look like? Like what what would you teach them? On? What would you recommend they go look at? What kind of approach would you recommend that, that they take to to really? Because with this episode, yes, we, you know, we throw some shade on vendors, but I also want to make it helpful you know, for those salespeople out there that want to do it the right way. You know, there's still going to be spammers. Um, especially now that we said the magic lamp, people are going to be spamming that message all over the place. But like, what are, you know, if we could, if we could help the people that are trying to do the good in sales, what advice would you offer them to, to, to be able to improve themselves and their skills to approach you the correct way to help solve your, your challenges in your business? Um, so what you're asking I'll me for is how, how do you sell to a CISO? I mean, that's a short version of it, but I was trying to make it all fancy sounding. I'll let, I'll so, let Mary go. She had, she had an idea. So as coming from someone who's recently become a sales engineer, so I've been a sales engineer for eh, maybe a year and a half at this point. Um, <laughs> I don't like to go to CISOs with all of the, the marketing fluff because I know from being a practitioner that they don't want to hear that, right? They want to know how can our product help you solve my solution or solve my problem. Like, so having to go in first of understanding what their problems are um, what their goals are for the organization um, and asking questions around that, I think starts to set the stage of, okay, this person is actually interested in trying to help me solve a problem that I actually have right now versus just kind of throwing stuff at me because they think I might be having this problem and not really understanding 
what that looks like. Um, there's a book that I read called Spin, Sell- Spin Selling. It's actually a really good book on um, how to approach sales differently, especially with those larger customers and how to actually, you know, don't start the conversation off all the time with, you know, how's your son in soccer yesterday or something like, you know, those kind of things like understanding what is important to the people that you're talking to is really what's going to make your job a lot easier and leaving all that extra stuff at home will just make it that much better because people don't have time to go through all of the fluff and the, the marketing marketing stuff I, that makes sense i know that when i when i did sales uh at a, at a vendor probably similar to ben, benjamin um I would just listen to what their pain points were. I wouldn't try to sell them anything on the first call. My job wasn't, even though I was in sales, I was a technical implementation manager. My job was to, to solve a problem. It wasn't trying to sell them our, our wheelhouse. So it's like, okay, tell me your pain points, send me your problems. Let me go back with our team. Let me go, let me go write up a plan. Let's, let's go build a plan. Let's go build a solution and then come back to you and present it. If you try to do everything on the same phone call, that's where most people make the mistake. They're like, they, okay, we finally got the CISO on the phone. We finally got XYZ on the phone. And then they try to sell. Or they do the opposite. They're like, you get the, the BDR, the SDR, like that finally calls you a million times. You finally pick up. And they're like, oh yeah, we can't talk to you. Our engineers will get back to you next week sometime. And I'm like, I promise you that never ends well for them because I never take another call. And that's, that's like my biggest thing. That's like my pet peeve. It's like, look, you spent so much time to get me on the phone and then you've got nobody to get a hold of me or that can talk to me for like a week or two. I'm like, okay, well, if you guys have no resources to talk to me, when when you're trying to sell me something, I know you don't have any resources to help me if I got a problem. So I'm like, that's that's I'm telling you right now, that's never gonna happen. We're not getting on the phone a second time. So, but going back to how you can help a vendor, the best thing to do for a vendor from a, a management perspective is just to, going back to what Mary was saying as well. It's like, just listen to the problems, listen to the pain points. Don't try to sell me or pitch me on the first first call. Build a solution. Write a write a plan for me to read. And then come back to me on a second phone call. Give me interested to want to come back to you. If you try to give me everything on the first phone call, there's no reason to have a second phone call. You know what? I I actually, I I piggyback off what the gentleman just said. Understanding the challenges. You've got to first begin to do the research of the CISO's organization. Be able to kind of get some industry insights um, into their specific cybersecurity challenges and understand their compliance requirements before you can create anything that's effective. Because sometimes your solution may not even work for them. Um, so being able to tailor the approach and make sure you have something that's um, concrete before you can have showcase expertise is really important. But at the same time, as a, a previous CISO and a owner of a company, I think it's really important to understand the key niches to make sure that you are effective. I think one of the, you know, piggybacking again off of what everyone said, some of the best vendor relationships that I've established are from folks who might have initially come up and said, you know, we talked about what they had to offer, gave, you know, vagaries around my environment. Because as Benjamin said, if you don't have an NDA, I, I ain't telling you nothing, right? I'm not, I'm not telling my family how my environment is. How's work? It's tough. There you go. Leave it alone. But it's um, it with those calls that go, listen, it's not a fit right now, right? Like being not being afraid to say this won't help you or this doesn't help that particular problem right if 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 i come to them and that's you know like like charles said what my pain points are and it really doesn't seem to be a fit don't be afraid to say listen right now with where you're at maybe this isn't the best way to go right like and then you leave that door open because then i'll go back and say you know what they were honest with me and if i ever 
find myself in need of XYZ product that maybe fits into that wheelhouse, weird, you know, weird thing might happen. I might reach out to them and say, Hey, listen, you know, you were upfront and honest with me. And I know, you know, I've been keeping tabs on you because you, you put a good taste in my mouth up front. And I think maybe, you know, this is the problem I'm facing now, right? This is what we're focusing on this year, this quarter, you know, this evolution of the program. Um, do you have something that maybe could help us out? How have you developed? And then we, I've, you know, we, we've kicked off some pretty, some pretty deep partnerships there that started with, you know, salespeople that weren't afraid to say, you know what, maybe right now, you know, XYZ is the leader, go with them, right? That's more what, you know, what you're looking to do. It's not us right now, but we'll, we'll circle back. Um, that's, that's been refreshing and those are some pretty good relationships to, to develop. Oh my goodness. No, that's amazing. That, that, that builds trust, that builds credibility, uh, you know? So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll throw out, you know, one last thing. Uh, you know, I'm in a unique role. Uh, I'm a CISO in residence. So I have the opportunity to influence my sales organization. And as a former enterprise CISO, I can tell them what worked for me. How did people get time on my calendar? And then what annoyed me or frustrated me? Or when would I blacklist a person or a vendor? Because we buy from people. We don't just buy from companies. We buy from people and people are going to move around from organization to organization. But first and foremost, and this goes right back to what Terry said a moment ago, know what my company does. And, you know, perhaps I should have started with this, Ken, when you asked about the craziest claims. I have had companies call me up, even in my current company now, and tell me they can solve a problem. Never ask me what my problems are, what my pains are, as Charles was saying, but they start trying to sell me a solution, not realizing they're a direct competitor to my company. Absolutely wild. So if you want to impress me or you want to get time on my calendar, know what my company does. Tell me what you saw in, say, my company's 10K. Tell me that you saw or listened to a podcast that I was on, not to stroke my ego, to show me you did a little bit of research as well. So don't be an ambulance chaser. Don't do, you know, going after that, you know, that new exploit or anything like that. But the last thing I'll say is you are not selling to the CISO. You're not. You're relating to the CISO. You're telling stories to me, you're helping me, you're giving me references because you're selling to my architects and my directors. And those architects and directors are then selling to me. They're the ones who convinced me to jump on the phone with you, assuming you know that's where, where this all came from. They've already bought in. They already think that you have a product that is going to enhance a process that we already have or solve a problem that we have. So don't try to sell. Again, don't offer me a demo. My team's already seen the demo. So, you know, at some point, quit selling and start relating. Totally agree. That, that, that makes complete sense because it's kind of like I was that black hat this year. And um, I, I think I spent maybe an hour on the sales floor, but my team spent the rest of the time on, on the floor getting all the knickknacks and, and other stuff. It's like, you don't, you don't have to sell me. I'm not the person that you're selling to. You're selling to my team. My team is going to tell me if they like what you, if, if they liked what you, what you had or not. If they if they actually remembered if they remembered you and they they liked you enough then they'll probably mention something to me if they didn't then they probably didn't at that point in time I, there's no second thought on my part so yeah going back to what you said Benjamin I, I completely agree 
yeah, by the time that you you actually get me on the phone or I, I volunteer to get on the phone with you, my, my team's already done their homework. We've already, we're already halfway there. It's just a matter of trying to get the rest of the other GRC stuff done. We've got to get the governance risk and the compliance stuff done from what I'm concerned about. The, the technical stuff, my team's already validated and says, hey, look, I think this is a viable option. And my, my response is, okay, great. Let me validate it on my side and see if it matches. If it does, great. We can move forward. If it doesn't, then it's what it is. But yeah, going back to what you said, Benjamin, I completely agree. Our teams have already done the the actual due diligence on that aspect to bring it to our attention to begin with. Just a matter of us to follow up and see if it actually is going to fit in our stack, in our budgets, et cetera. You know, I tell people all the time, people don't buy from people they know. They buy from people they trust, right? So understanding the technical proficiencies and being able to under build those strong relationship building and effective communication, it relates deeper than any technology um, team can understand. Because anybody can talk technical expertise, what they cannot do is seeing to, from a technical perspective, the deeper we get from a technical understanding, we lose personability. But if you can be able to get both, you can become me. A lot of, a lot of great insight there. Um, Terry, earlier on, on this uh, session, we kind of did a round robin of sharing any crazy vendor claims. Um, I know you came in a little later. Wanted to give you an opportunity. If you have any crazy claims that you've heard vendors say directly to you on a sales call or that you just kind of heard, you know, a third party listening in on something, any like crazy claims from, from vendors that you want to share? Um, one that I think I can be able to say. So, because I do own a federal cybersecurity contracting firm, I can only say very limited um, information. But one thing I would say is recently we had a hospital, a large hospital to acquire a small hospital. Um, and you had one CISO because you had a CISO in both organizations and I think they forgot to realize that they were merging to become one. They were getting married in my sense, right? So when two become one, it's one entity, not two. They were still thinking about it in separate claims. So the first, any person is, because I'm trying to understand them, I'm asking about compliance segments. They were not um, incoherent about what the effective goal was. One company, one segment knew, the other segment didn't. And I was able to kind of see the dysfunction. Um, so you had one saying, I need to make sure that we have this, this, we need SOC 2 compliant check. We need to make sure that um, the third party vendor have this adequate claims to be honest, be honest. Uh, the vendor have these checklists off and then you have the small organization like, well, that is not necessary, right? So what I was able to go and do is not talk, but just listen, right? Be the advocate ear and be like, mm, yeah, th that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and what I did was, to be honest, um, I talked, I was like, I would like to actually put together like, um, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's send out a survey. So you have one thing and they want SOC 2 compliance. One thing that they only care about HIPAA compliance. And the truth is they should care about both. Um, a lot of times when cybersecurity breaches occur, it happens from a third party vendor. You're talking to a third party vendor, even though that's me and I have checked my boxes. You have an X, not one box has been checked. You don't know what compliant things we have, what insurance that we have to make sure that your company is well protected. But not only that, um, I'm really kind of big in policy and procedure because I'm getting my PhD in it. Because I watch CISOs actually um, be impacted by some of the decisions that were made from the CEOs, which is myself. I used to do it for somebody else before I had started my own firm. Um, and I try to protect the CISOs because when you write these policies and procedures, sometimes you don't understand the legality components to it. So I'm, I'm listening to this one vendor. He said, listen, we have, first of all, there's too many vendors. We got 792 vendors. That's a problem for a hospital. Do you know how many different segments 
and elements you have to make sure I covered to cover 792 vendors. But that was a smaller organization. A bigger hospital that was acquiring um, the smaller organization only had 309 because they were more stringent um, with cybersecurity criteria, meaning they probably had some more stringent policies in place that can actually make the smaller organization better, right? So, but the CISOs at both organizations were not um, working cohesively. So I figured out a mythology. I actually played a game called digital chess. That digital chess move, I said, let's make our next move our best move. But they had to understand that in chess, you're on one side, you're on the same team. In order to be able to kind of make the best move, you have to actually negotiate with one another. So I created a negotiation tactic to get them on the same um, same one on accord. And we was able to kind of create redundant policies and help both organizations to strengthen their IT core posture. We actually boosted their core posture from an 89 in a big organization, a smart organization was at 69. Collectively, they went to a 92 and they were in alliance. So they looked like they moved together, which did not eliminate the smaller organization CISO. It actually made him the associate because they were thinking about eliminating the second CISO. But we wanted to show that they can work cohesively. It worked in their benefit and ours. But the claim was they had, first of all, they didn't even understand the compliance requirements that either one of them was seeking to get to because there was a lack of communication within their organization, which made them communicate to their vendor incorrectly because they had no understanding. It's hard to understand what they don't understand. So I just want to go a quick round, Robin. Any any final advice, either from focusing on kind of the vendor sales side or for organizations out there that are, you know, like all of you getting pinged constantly of look at my magical box, it'll solve your problems in three seconds. So any any final advice that anyone wants to to share with, uh, I guess, the world, so to speak? I, I know the, the best advice that I can give is I, I met I met a I met somebody at, at Black Hat and she's like, hey, I think we connected on LinkedIn. I think we met at Black Hat. I'm like, yeah, I think we probably did because she's like the timing matches when we connected. I mean, she, she actually works for a vendor, but and nowhere until like we got like five or 10 minutes into the conversation did she even mention anything to do with that. It was like, oh, how are you doing? How is this? We're just chit-chatting about like other random stuff. It's like, it's building that rapport, building that relationship initially before you just try to go directly in for a kill for sales. Because at that point in time, everybody does that. It, it doesn't work very well. You have to hit the numbers and you've got a 1% success rate. I mean, but you burnt through the other million leads. It's not very productive. So it's like, the best advice I can give is again, if you, you sell more by not selling than you do by selling, you know, I, I was number one in what I did in sales only because I didn't sell. I just try to relate to the business and I tried to communicate at the same level that they were wherever, wherever stage that was. And that, that was my secret between trying to communicate with the business. And that's why I was always number one, not because I was trying to be the best sales guy. It just worked out that way because I wasn't trying to sell. I was trying to help. And you find that, when you're trying to help a business succeed and try to accomplish their goals and objectives, the sales just kind of come naturally. They don't, you don't have to force them. They, they, they want to work with you. Going back to what everybody else was saying before, you know, people do buy from people, but they buy it more so from people they trust. And that's why Benjamin was asking everybody on the Slack channel, like, Hey, if you work with this vendor before, it's because he wants to work with the vendors that, that people know and the people trust. And I, I think that was the best advice I can give anybody. That's how I was always number one in sales is because I didn't sell. I just try to accomplish it. I just try to, I just try to provide a solution. The sales follow naturally. And I totally agree with you. I think it's really imperative that we overstand, not understand, right? And then when you're pitching to a CISO, 
be able to deal with those concerns because you understand, you understand them more subtly, um, leaving room for the discussion and customizations to whatever solution that you can be able to fathom. Because sometimes even addressing them to the right person in another company that may not be yours, it shows that you are a person of trust and you want the best for them, not just you. Yeah. And last thing I'll, I'll, I'll say as well is you do sell trust and your integrity and your reputation matter. Relationships is what you're going for. And I like how earlier uh, Terry uh, you know, made a comment of, you know, people don't just buy from people. People buy from who they trust. And this is a small industry. Help me trust you build a relationship with me. I love how Charles was saying, you know, five minutes into a conversation, you know, it can be even the next conversation. So, or, you know, the next sale or the next company or, or something like that. Your reputation matters. Relationships in this industry matter. We need to know that you care about us as well. I agree and with all of that. I think too, from a sale, from the sales perspective, take the initiative to actually look into what this company does, what they're, what they're trying to accomplish, kind of look for what their goals are, because that's really, really important information. I know it's helped me a lot of times just kind of show them that I took the initiative, that I'm interested in their company and what they're trying to do. Um, and it helps go a long way. And just kind of piggybacking off of that, even, you know, looking at it from the perspective of advice for, you know, like a, a new CISO, right, or, or somebody, you know, newly taking on a, uh, running a program, sometimes, don't be afraid to go, listen, what do we already have in the cupboard, right? Are we maximizing the tools and the, the processes around those tools or, or that, that are facilitated by said tools? Are we maximizing what we get out of our, our current stack, right? Because that is going to allow you, I think, to walk out with a bit more confidence when you do go shopping, right? Or when you do need some solutioning, because you can then pinpoint these are the specific gaps with what we already have, right? The last thing you want to do is you're newly minted CISO. You finally have, you know, purchasing authority. You can sign on the dotted line. And then, you know, you, you get caught up in the whole, I got to spend this or they're going to take it away from me next year, right? Like be a steward of the resources that you're, you're, you're handed. And one of those ways you can do that is, well, hold on. Are we getting the most out of, you know, these 10 things that either my predecessor or we just had, you know, as, as part of our, our stack, right? Are, are we really getting the visibility that we need out of XYZ? Are we really making sure that we're maximizing everything we bought last year? Then if you're able to say that, right, you can, I think you gain credibility even within your own organization, of course, right? Whoever your stakeholders are, your board, your, your founders, your investors, what have you. And then on top of that, it has a follow-on effect if you're able to go out into the marketplace and really almost suss out immediately, right? You, you start to develop that instinct even without maybe being in that role for that long. If you have a deep knowledge of what your current tools do for you, then you're, you know where you want to expand or what gaps you want to cover. So don't be in a rush because that, of course, right? Everybody here, I think, has, has lived this or seen this, right? Where that, that rush to go out and spend that's, you know, that's a, a nefarious salesperson's dream, right? Hey, listen, I have that blinky box. That's why, you know, I can solve all your problems with this. Wait a second. Know what your own problems are, right? Know what your own tools can do. And then I think you can walk out in confidence and, and make some smart purchase decisions as a good steward of your organization's resources. Omar, I actually love what you just said. The truth of the matter is I do this thing instead of um, saying sell with me, I do this thing called playing with me. And I 
new CISOs that come to organizations, we actually want to help them craft a 90-day plan. You have to be effective. If you don't understand your basic cybersecurity principles or your infrastructure, how are you going to tell me to protect it? And I think a lot of times people are so fascinated with the latest too that they forget the basics, making sure your team is adhering to the basics. Let's get back to the basics. And I start from the beginning as we try to evolve to the advancement, right? And I think people are like, are you going to really take your time? Yes, I'm taking my time to understand their organization. Yes, but it works in your benefit. And like you and like um, other gentlemen said, now it's word of mouth. They're like, listen, this person really does care because the truth is I do. And cybersecurity is something that takes a village. It, it takes a village, not one company, any Y entity. That's why we have partnerships. Because if your company can do something better than Omar, I'd be like, listen, I can help you craft this 90-day plan, but maybe we need to bring in this, this protege because they're more astute. I'm not going to sit here and say that I have all the answers because I would be lying. But together, we are so effective. And I think understanding it amongst each other. Like I had a company, they got hacked. I said, share, when you got hacked, share with the people that's next to you. You have no idea how you can help them strengthen the things that they didn't have in place that you didn't have in place. And we have to be more uh, open and trust each other enough to be able to kind of be that fluid. Well said. Thanks for listening to the show. If you're looking to secure your business better or build up your cybersecurity career, then check us out over at cyberlife.tv. That's C-Y-B-E-R-L-I-F-E dot T-V.